Well, welcome back to another episode of the Boombasticast with the one and only Mr. Matthew Fisher and, and Mr. Alexander Hawk. Who are Alexander the Hawk? Who are you? I'm Alexander Hawk. You're a pretty handsome guy. Uh, I try. We gather uh, on this uh, beloved day for another part two episode, right? Yes. Part two of Movies That Tanked. All flopped. A flippity flopped. We call it the flip-flop. Film flip-flop, I think, is what Buddy Butterfuko was calling it on. Uh, the film flip-flop. Ah. Uh, well... Uh, as you know, we, uh, we talked about some on an earlier podcast. Now we're going to be talking about some more that we did not bring up. Well, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many. And the one I'm going to be talking about is stealth. You know, now, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, before we jump in, I just wanted to say something. You know, it, it's a fun thing where yeah. you, you figure a film has to almost double its money back to be considered not a flop. You know what I mean? Cause you got all, you know, if, if it was, if it's made for a hundred million dollars and it makes a hundred million dollars, it's broken. Even it means it paid for the movie to be paid made. You know what I mean? Now you got the investors that want their little cuts and all that and their money back and all that. So it's a, it's quite a ride, you know, it really, that's why I often say like people would always joke about, Oh, wouldn't you want to do like a, a Superman movie or a big Marvel movie? And I always say I would never want to do one of those because that is such a gigantic undertaking of responsibility and, and, and complete destiny destroying uh, type stuff. It's like you get the, first of all, they're giving you this multi hundred million dollar film that they need, you, you, you know, it has to be the biggest thing in the world to make to, to make money off of it now. It's very easy things, and you got all the people. If you don't do things right, they they fucking they hate your guts. It's very easy to drop the ball in a situation like that with so much money. All that money comes, other people wanting their hand in the pie, so you're losing control of it that way. Then you have the fans. If you're not fully inept to what's going on in that those comic books or whatever you're 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 telling the story of, those fans are going to eat you alive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean if you do one thing that. Uh... A fan uh, doesn't think that, you know, is either true to the character or true to, you know, previous comic books. They'll, you know, they'll uh, crucify you on the Internet. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I mean, I enjoyed Marvel movies and, and all that. But, I mean, even me, uh, who was one of the people that cheered when... Uh, Nick Fury showed up in Iron Man. I mean, heck, I'm 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 uh, superheroed out for the most part because it's getting to a point where they're just cranking out these movies, and you know, some of them are good, some of them are not. But the overall thing is, it's saturating the market to a point where you know, if you have a story that isn't a superhero story or one of these uh, stories tied with, like, a big franchise, they're not going to give you a chance to, you know, shine or do it. 
it's funny because every you'll see these every now and then you'll see directors pop up and like they don't they don't like uh, they're not familiar with the territory you know what I mean of what it is and they're just accepting it because it's a big job you know what I mean that everybody yeah. would love to do because you think oh my goodness everybody's going to see this movie it's going to be huge but I feel like the backlash is, is more is more brutal on something like that whether an audience or uh, budgetary money coming back I you know I listen to an yeah, interview. I- yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, looking at at this, it's it's the same as going into Las Vegas with like a million dollars. You go into, you know, bet on one thing at the roulette table. Okay, yeah. you put it down there. Uh, if you lose, you're out a million dollars. Which I don't know for, I know for me would be, you know, I, I'd be crying like a baby. Um, but you know, but if you win, then you know you. You you have so much more, and it can lead to even more great things in the future. Right. But it's one of those things. It's a roll of the dice. Whether <laughs> the fans appreciate, the critics appreciate, and the producers appreciate it. If one or more of these people don't appreciate what you do when you have these big tentpole um, Marvel movies or GI Joe movies or whatever franchise they're trying to promote at the time then you know if if you don't you know quadruple your money on that uh you, you're probably not going to be working in town uh, very much longer true i was listening to an interview recently with uh, mick garrison on post show post-mortem they were interviewing adam wingard you know, if you know him from like the guest, I know he turned Hawkman onto the guest. You like that yeah. guest? You're next and such. But uh, he made that Death Note movie, which was like a manga or the uh, whatever that is that was like Japanese yeah. animation. Manga, uh, manga, manga. Yeah, I only know manja, manja, manja. Um, but uh, you know, he made that Death Note movie, and he, he you know, I, I forget who he said liked it. Like his brother liked it, or somebody close to him liked it. He wasn't really even a fan. So I think he took it on as like an, to impress the family type thing, which is funny. And uh, it was funny that he was kind of honest about it, where he said he didn't know, didn't really know the material, went up in there, and uh, did his thing. And he said he got an incredible backlash from the fans, which is like I, I, I was kind of surprised to hear that he. Well, he was surprised that he was going to get a backlash. It's like whenever you go in there, whenever you go into a pre-established thing that people love and you, you change anything or whatever, especially if he he said he wasn't a fan of the material, like they're going to hate your guts. Yeah, but but uh, the thing is he also had an added issue with that. Oh, he did? Yeah. What's that? The thing is, you know how I said you have to appease uh, the fans, you have to appease the producers, and you have to uh, appease the critics? But the thing is that it's a manga, which means it was created by a different culture. Well, that's kind of a problematic thing for it, too, yeah. Yeah, because the thing is that, for example, when I saw the Death Note movie, I liked it. I really did. But the thing is, I never knew, I never read the manga, I never followed it. But one of my friends, you know, followed it, and, and she really did not like the movie because she's like, there's so many intricacies and things tied into it that, you know, was glossed over or yeah. wasn't gone into. And, but then again, I mean, for example, now, you saw the Death Note movie, right? 
I did not know. Okay. Well, anyway, in in the Death Note movie that that he did, you know, the female uh, in it, uh, I think she was maybe a cheerleader or something like that. Yeah. And and she ended up, you know, kind of connecting with the main guy. But the thing is, in the manga, she is a pop star. Okay, that he connects with. Now, the thing is, something like that, I mean, you're thinking of American audience that just doesn't quite kind of translate. Yeah. I mean, how is it a a cute pop star, you know, um, is going to end up with like a nobody from, you know, high school or something like that? Yeah. But, you know, at least the, the, uh, the other one, you know, makes a little more sense. But I mean, there it's was more a Americanized. Lot of, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of other things that in the manga was definitely more uh, tied to the culture that it was originated in. And then when you try to translate that to an American, that's why so many times when you grab a TV series or a film from a different culture and you try to Americanize it, you know, I mean, you end up losing a lot in translation. Bill Murray has that problem a lot. Yeah, I, I was waiting for your translation. Yeah, uh, Sofia Coppola—they both share that problem. They're always getting lost in translation over there. Uh, it didn't affect him on too much because uh, he got to go on. He went and he did Godzilla vs Kong. You know what I mean? Which in the interview. Um, he says, I think he said he signed the contract for that before before Death Note came out. Uh, Death Note looked interesting. I, I, I'm not hating on it. And I enjoy this this dude's body of work. He's one of those, like, uh, bigger budgeted. Now he's Hollywood, I guess. You could, he's definitely Hollywood. He did Godzilla vs. Kong. Now he's he was, like, one of those dudes that broke out in horror and then made his way into um, the mainstream, kind of like Stephen C. Miller's doing. Stephen C. Miller isn't quite, you know, unfortunately, he's not quite mainstream um, like Adam Wingard is. But um, I almost kind of put them in the same category of those real higher budgeted uh, indie films, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I enjoy it. Uh, regular, like a Godzilla vs. Kong was cool. I've seen that for a little bit. I mean, it is what it is. Um, Blair Witch, I was surprisingly pleased with Blair Witch. What I'll say about the Blair Witch that he did. Um, that I enjoyed is the secrecy. I love like the, I like the surprises and the techniques of promotion and marketing, you know, things that I know that when they did the Blair Witch, um, the Blair Witch reboot, I believe it was, they, they, they promoted it as something else. Like when the, in the trailer or something like that, it had a different name. So when there was some weird trick they played on the audience that the audience showed up expecting to see one thing. And they ended up seeing their reboot of the Blair Witch Project, which I thought was pretty cool. I, as a fan, I thought that was cool. You know, the same way that I thought, you know, when they did Grindhouse, like when Tarantino and Rodriguez did Grindhouse, I thought that was a cool because more, and Tarantino does it a lot. He makes it more than just a, a movie viewing experience when he can. You know what I mean? Like he did the road show with the last couple films, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, get the pamphlets and the whole deal. Like, I, that's another thing I like. Tarantino is the shit. And I seen Tarantino recently on Bill Maher. He interviewed him. I popped on to watch that. Uh, talking about, you know, how he won more film and he's done. You know, um, 
I don't know. You know, I can kind of see his point. He ain't going to, he's not retiring from entertainment. He's just going to write books and stuff, which is cool. You know, you're getting older. You probably, he's going to have a kid now, I think. Um, if he already has, I know he just got married. He's probably just going to settle down, enjoy life for the last, next 20, 30 years of his life or whatever. And, um, right. Have fun. He's gotten to a point where he can do whatever he wants to do. And, you know, if you want, if the dude wants to retire, let him retire because, he knows how much long he's got left. Who, who's to say that the last couple movies weren't, weren't, um, I'm sure they weren't, but who's to say they weren't like the, the act of making these films are starting to maybe become, you know, I don't want to say old hat or anything. Cause I'm sure he still loves the process, but you know, in, in the life given, and he could always come back. Quentin Tarantino could be a dude that 10 years and this probably will happen. 10 years down the line, he's just going to show up. There'll be a trailer pop up that'll be completely secretive. And you'll be hearing us on the Boombastic cast, me talking about how much I love secretive shit again. Um, and the trailer will just pop up online and people will be like, what the fuck? It'll take, it'll take the internet by storm. Uh, what's funny is there'll probably be fake trailers that pop up too. That'll take the, 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 take the world by storm too. And mark my words right now, in the future, after QT retires, there will be a fake trailer that somebody will just put up that'll be lost footage or whatever of, of like, you know, or they'll, they'll somehow or they'll do fate. They'll do like the face swap thing to make it look like new footage. And it will it'll come out as the new film by Quentin Tarantino. And it'll blow up huge. and It'll be a big thing. It'll be fake. But I do think he will return one day to make another one because... Well, I mean, the thing is, he said that he'll be done with making films. Okay, the theater. Not stop him from if he decides to do a TV series. It's true. Okay. Yeah. Now, how awesome would that be? A Quentin Tarantino TV series. I watched that episode of ER. He did. You know, he's done a few show episodes of television. Uh, I'd see it because it would be. Tarantino doing TV would just be miniseries. He would be making a twenty-hour-long movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's. I think that might be where he's going. I think you're right when you say that. I think you're right on with that. Uh, he also talked about I- expressing interest in doing theater and stuff too. Yeah. Plus, um, I mean, I have to hope that that's the case because I, I don't think that we're going to get to a point of work with him before he does his tenth uh, film. So you know, speak for yourself. Well, I mean, I know I know that you might, but I mean, I might not be able to make him uh, get get to work with him before he finishes his uh, tenth film. I didn't want to bring this up this early in the game, but me and QT are in talks. Okay, uh, okay. For the the Boombasta cast, will have heavy involvement in the next uh, Quentin Tarantino film. Ooh, I like that. That's all I can say at this time. Uh, so going back to the stealth. Are you a fan of Stealth? Have you ever seen it? I only saw the trailer, and to be perfectly honest, watching the trailer put me off of the movie. <laughs> it's like a weird Top Gun like like ripoff type deal, right? Well, it's it's, it's pretty much it's, it's Top Gun if the uh, the plane that they're flying had an AI in it, artificial intelligence. At least from my memory of it, that you know. You got, let's see, you had Jessica Biel, you had Josh Lucas, and you had Jamie Foxx. The only one out of the uh, three that is still talked about today, really, is Jamie Foxx. 
I'm sure even he wants to forget he ever did this movie. Well, Jessica Biel is still in the light, and she, I think she's got something new coming out soon. Josh Lucas, I can't even think of a face to go with that name to tell you the truth. Same here. I'd have to I'll look him up. I, I, mean, I mean, the thing I is... Think Josh Lucas is the guy that that uh, Corey Haim Lucas movie was based on, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. He's a little too young to be connected with that movie. He stars in that movie Fast Fast Times and Furious Highs. <laughs> the weed movie. Yeah. So, yeah, this is one of, directed by uh, Rob Cohen. Not to be confused with any of the good Cohen directors. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is the, he directed Triple uh, X, which is what this movie should have been rated so people didn't have to go see it. Yeah. Know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I remember seeing the trailer and... And I was like so underimpressed yeah. trailer that I had absolutely no interest in checking it out. And I guess I wasn't the only one because uh, I believe uh, it uh, was like a hundred thirty-five million dollar budget, and the loss was ninety-six million. That that is uh, that is kind of a uh, kick to the groin, uh, money-wise. I believe Rob Cohen hates this film. All right. I wouldn't be surprised because it's definitely, uh, definitely crashed and burned drastically. He do host. He do host the film. Do host. Do host, Matt. I bring that up because he, he directed some um, Rammstein videos. So I got to give him credit for that. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, he's the dude who brought us the Fast and Furious movies, or at least the first one, and then they thought it was better for other people to take over. It looks like. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he he was there. He was there for the first one. Um, he probably produced the rest of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, then I can give him credit. I mean, the first Fast and Furious was a decent movie. I mean, when they started, you know, going in and like going over the top. I mean, now you got them like fl- like flying cars through the the air and and tanks and other things. I mean, I'm kind of like <laughs> uh, he had a he had a he had a great career in the world of um, producing. Though I will give it to him. It's kind. Of, I think he kind of I I, I got res- I got some respect for him in his producing game for sure, dude. He he's produced. Classics like uh, let's see here we got you know the Wiz is definitely worth uh, bringing up the Razor's Edge the Legend of Billy Jean the Witches of Eastwick which actually has a young Jeff Barry of Boombastic Films fame in it believe it or not an extra role uh, he executive produced uh, the Monster Squad you know fellow Boombastic media friend uh, uh, Andre Gower is up starring up in that thing The Running Man, Ironweed, The Serpent and the Rainbow with the late great Wes Craven Bird on a Wire, The Hard Way uh, I give him respect for his producing world there's a lot of cool fun stuff in that directing wise you know we can't give the homeboy too much heat either because he's done some notable shite um, that people would probably appreciate you know he did some Miami Vice back in the day if you were directing it in the 80s you probably did a Miami Vice uh episode you know what i mean dragon yeah. heart you probably that's something the hawkman probably likes to skull oh, yeah the first one yeah that was a good one then they had you know crappy sequels and then yeah then it kind of went a little di- after stealth things kind of went 
kind of stealth for him, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. it's all right. So uh, next up is 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin. The Keanu Reeves of Elko. You know what I mean? Oh, real quick, we'll bring up the stealth. Uh, the budget of it was 135 milli, and it lost 96 milli dollars, baby. That's horrifying. Um, you know the Keanu Reeves samurai film. You know this. This should be a double feature with the Last Samurai, even though the Last Samurai was good times. Um, I don't think I've ever watched this. I think I actually attempted to watch this. Because I, I I love samurai movies, and I have high hopes whenever I see because they're always period culture pieces. You know what I mean? So there's so so whenever I see that uh, the, the outfits and all that, I always go, all right, this could be interesting. And uh, going from there is where where things would fall or, or, or raise up to gargantuan heights. Um, Hundred seventy five million dollars to make Ronin 47, 47 Ronin. That uh, loss was ninety-eight million. Ouch! Yeah. We call it ninety-eight, Ronan. <laughs> the produ- the executive producers called up them and were like, "We need ninety-eight, Ronan, immediately, or you're gonna, your families will never see you again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't see the movie. Um, I remember seeing the trailer, and I have to admit, unlike Stealth, I was interested in seeing in, uh, seeing this movie. Because uh, I like Keanu Reeves, plain and simple. Was this this was right? Was this him coming out um, of the Matrix? Was this him coming out of the trilogy of the Matrix? I feel like this was right around the end of the last Matrix movie. This was kind of supposed to be. I think I, this was supposed to be a return from something big that he just did. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'd have to check where it placed. I think it definitely. I think it was before John Wick, like right before John Wick. Maybe that's what I know. It, it was in a weird place in his career, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, um, it looked interesting. I just it's one of those movies I just never got around to checking out. Not because I wasn't interested, but because you know, time gets in the way and you don't get to watch all the movies you want to. I believe this was adapted from a Frank Miller. Graphic novel, the same dude who did um, Sin Watchmen? City and stuff, huh? Uh, Frank Miller did Watchmen, right? Uh, no, he did like Sin City. He might have been a part of Watchmen as well, but he did Sin City. He did like that uh, the Shadow thing with, with with Samuel Jackson or whatever it was called. You mean the Spirit? The Spirit, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the it was garbage. I tried to watch that. That was diarrhea. Baldwin was in in the Shadow. But, you know. That's my boy. Yeah. Uh, we call that world diarrhea shit. Yeah. So it's okay though, you know. Yeah, the Matrix, uh, th- 2013, Ronan came out uh, right around the yeah, right before John Wick. I knew it was right. I knew it was right after, right before something big. I just couldn't quite remember that. This was right, right before John Wick. Um, yeah. But and I love Keanu. Keanu's the shit. Okay. But uh, some people didn't feel it that summer. You know. What do we got up next? Well, we have up next. The Lone Ranger. Yeah. Um. Here's a funny thing. Now, I I I've actually seen this movie. Yeah. And I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets. Now, I understand a lot of people. A uh, major problem with it was uh, Johnny Depp playing a uh, Native American. Yeah. But, I mean, I understand. Um, 
their issues with it uh, on that respect. Um, one of the things that a lot of people uh, had a problem with, with I did not have a problem with, was they're like, oh, yeah, he's doing like the same old crazy Jack Sparrow thing and, and all that. And I was like, yeah, but technically, if, if you watch the movie, it explains why, you know, uh, Tonto is as, you know, crazy and messed up as he was because right. of what he did as a young child without knowing the consequences. And I mean, being, being the reason that your entire tribe is killed at that young age is going to fuck up anybody. So. Would it fuck up Joey Lawrence too? Would he be fucked up in that situation? Maybe. He looks but, out over the all his people dead and goes, whoa. Yeah, whoa. But yeah, I mean, the thing is that now, uh, I mean, when when it comes to, yeah, I, I understand a lot of people from with uh, the casting of Johnny Depp. I think they should have casted someone else in it. Um, but if you're looking at it as just a movie, Watching it from beginning to end, it's not that bad. Um, yeah, the, the casting was misplaced. Uh, but the uh, complaints about how, about his character being kind of, you know, played crazy. I mean, at least they explained it and, you know, kind of works in the, um, the film that they set up. And, yeah, but like I said, I think the thing that really killed it was the the casting of Johnny Depp as, as Tonto. And that's the only reason why it did as poorly as it did. If you don't like Johnny Depp as Tonto, go watch Johnny Depp and Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man, another Western, which is probably a better watch, I'd say. Um, next up, we have Titan AD. Woo! And did you Amantha. see that movie? Huh? Did you see that movie? I did not see this film. Um, I am kind of a fan of the director... Um, Don Bluth, you know what I mean? Uh, I know Gary Goldman also did it, but Don Bluth is notorious for a lot of uh, really cool animated movies of yesterday's past. Um, the, this, this entry killed the company. Fox Animation Studios collapsed after this. Um, it, made, it, it was made for $90 million, and it lost $100 million. So this yeah. lot, yeah. That 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 is. I mean, compared to all the other films on this, at least at this point, this is a hundred percent a failure. When when you lose more money than you actually put into the project, the company the company collapsed ten days after the release in two thousand. That's craziness. Now, I mean. I, I saw bits and pieces of it, um, but, I mean, the thing is, it was so unmemorable. Yeah. I, I mean, that was the biggest problem with the movie, was the fact that I remember watching watching a bit of it, and it was like, oh, okay, Matt Damon's uh, the voice here, Bill Pullman's this guy, and I couldn't tell you anything about it, like moments after watching the film, other than I was like, eh, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was... I, th I think the thing is, there's nothing worse than a movie that doesn't leave an impression whether it's good or bad. 
Yeah. Even even if a movie is bad and it leaves the impression like, man, dude, that was an awful movie. That has succeeded more than this film. Because this film was more of like, okay, I watched something. And that's about it. I couldn't tell you much more than that. Yeah, you know, written by maybe two of the most, you know, well-known best writers of their times. You know, you get Josh Weed and your boy and John August. Yeah. But yeah, you said but Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, Drew, Drew Barrymore, big names. You know, these kids, but I don't know how they, you know, they spend so much money on these kids' movies to begin with. Yeah, the animation is a lot, but I can't imagine... You know, look how much they're making these movies for back in the day. Things have only gotten easier, but they still cost more. I find that very weird. And yeah, you're paying talent. Like, I'm sure all these voice actors were making ungodly millions of dollars just for showing up at a studio for a week to put their dialogue in, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, this this is what always gets me when it comes to uh, movies... uh, that are animated with voice actors. And actually, um, I think um, I might be wrong, but I think I saw in the interview with Kevin Conroy. Now, he voiced Batman in the animated series. And yeah. actually, I think he voiced Batman in a lot of the, like, uh, Arkham Asylum and a lot of the video games as well. Yeah. Now, he's a great voice actor, and um, maybe it was him, maybe it was someone else, but I remember... Uh, listening to uh, to someone who made a comment that uh, when it's it's kind of a disservice when you, for example, you hire Matt Damon as a voice actor. That's yeah. stupid. Okay, Matt Damon's a great actor, but he's not a voice actor. Okay, other than you know, he's sitting back and like, oh, that's Matt Damon's voice, which you know, and that that's a case where you know you. When they hire people that are known for the name so they can put them on the marquee, but it doesn't translate as well through the, them just using their voice. Right. I mean, we had this conversation earlier where we made a comment that there's two types of voice actors. There are those that they have one specific type of voice, and that one is very good for a very uh, specific type of character. Yeah. And they use constantly because of that. And then you got those who are like the Mel Blanks that can do like a hundred, two thousand different voices and each one sounds slightly different so you don't get, you know, confused. Right. Um and and I mean uh, for example, like uh, Jason Rassenberger, which is uh Cliff from Cheers, I mean, he has a very distinct voice. But, you know, he always, you know, you can always uh, notice him in in different films. I mean, like Matt Damon, I like Matt, but he does not have a very distinctive voice. So he doesn't have that going for him. I, I remember watching a scene from Titan AE and it was like, uh, and of course it had Matt Damon, you know, name up there. And it took me a while to clue in that the star was Matt Damon because you had to think to you know connect his voice to the actor that you know i think he's got a pretty distinctive voice yeah well he's got that boston thing going that other people would recognize more so than we do because we live in it yeah yeah but i mean the thing is that 
He still has it. Yeah, but he. But if I remember correctly, in the um, uh, like Titan AE, he tried to hide it, or he, you know, it was more of a generic, you know, bland voice. That's the worst thing you can do. Hiding it's the worst. You got to play off of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, I mean, it's when you are doing an animated film, you should cast either those who can do multiple voices that have been in voice acting for years or find someone who has that that voice that anyone's like when Stan Lee was alive you could put Stan Lee's voice in any film and you'd be like Stan Lee you put you know like Matt Damon and Drew Barrymore's voice in and it's like uh who's that oh that sounds uh, oh yeah that's that's Drew and, and that's Matt I mean, it doesn't have the same same effect because their voices aren't that distinct enough for you to cue in. I mean, Wallace Shawn is another perfect example where you he voices a character on screen. You know that's Wallace Shawn playing that character. Um, with the other guys, it just um, it was okay, but just didn't translate into the uh, film. At least I didn't think so. I hear you. Just like Mars needs a mom. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The Academy Award winning Mars needs a mom. <laughs> but the animation looks is almost uh, grotesquely real for animation and like uh, scary. It's almost downright creepy and airy looking. Yeah. Now, I've never seen Mars needs I a mean, mom. Yeah. Gather that... Uh, I gather that the plot is probably something where Martians come to Earth to kidnap all the mothers to bring back to Mars, and some kid goes to Mars to get his mum back. I gather that's the plot. I could be wrong. I've never seen it. Yeah. Have you seen I, it? I have not seen it. I remember seeing a trailer, and actually, I think um, I think it's pretty much the same thing. The only thing is, like, I think the Martians only took. Uh, like the kid's mom, or I mean, I don't know. I don't think they took like a whole bunch of moms. It's just that they, for whatever oh, reason, took like this one kid's mom or something like we, that. They took all the hot moms. Uh, a Mars needs milfs. That's that's uh, that that's, sounds like something you're all over, my friend, right there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know some people. Them. Hey, you know some filmmakers that probably make some movies like that. Yeah, yeah. Get on yeah. the horn. Yeah, yeah. Go, going with what Matt said, um, I agree with him that another thing with animation, which I think ruins an animated feature or a film or whatever you're doing, is when you try to make uh, the characters look more realistic. Yeah. Okay? Because, I mean, the plus of animation is being able to do things that you can't really do like in real life, and and even when you have characters that are supposed to be humanoid and all that, I mean, you can still do that and not try and make it look, you know, oh, they look real. I mean, if if that's what you want, if you want the realistic experience, then just do a live action film with some, you know, animated, you know. Uh, background or sub characters. I mean, that's what they do a lot of times now. I mean, trying to make a full animated feature where you have the characters look 
as human as as he can, it, it just it doesn't translate well because he's constantly looking at him. I mean, that's one of the problems I have with like uh, when you have like animated characters on like video games and and they try and make them look too realistic and it's kind of like eh, it just I mean it's okay but it just doesn't work for me. What type of budget and what type of loss they take on that one? Um, I think I think the uh, the amount they put in was 150 million, and the loss was 100 million. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the box. That's a kick in the nods, man. That's a kick in the nods. Nice callback. I like that. Heck yeah. You know, um, stealth is doing better because of that callback. That was good. <laughs> But yeah. ne- next up on the list is a movie that when I heard they were making this movie, I was like, what? I had no idea how they were going to make this movie. It was kind of like Battleship. Like when I heard they were making Battleship into a movie, I was like, how the fuck are they going to make that board game into a movie? Hey, dude, you know what dude, I mean? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm actually putting my money in. If anyone's out there doing this, I will put in my life savings for this. Have a hungry, hungry hippos. If they make that into a live action, that'd be a horror movie. I, I, I want to see that. Okay, I want to see that more than friggin' battles. Have you seen the fake poster for it? There's a fake poster. Yes, I saw the fake poster. Dude, that, fa- that, that fake poster is glorious, dude. That makes oh, me want to see it. The fake poster for hungry, hungry hippos is 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 like you know is perfect. I mean, it's. I put it in the same category as Snakes on the Plane, okay? You know it's going to be, like, B-movie at best, even if they put a lot of money into it. I'm, but, I'm, putting, that on, I'm putting that on IMDb. Me and Alex are writing Hungry Hungry Hippos. I'm going to direct Alex Hawk is going to star as an, an Australian fucking um, tourist guide through the Amazons. Yes. I, I, and, 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 and my name will be Henry Hungry. Yeah, and anybody out there that doesn't, this the, the uh, fucking hippo. For anybody out there waiting hip to the old hippo, you need to go d- watch some pictures because yeah, when you see pictures of them by themselves eating or whatever, oh, they look cute. They look like just you know like like lovable pigs almost. You just want to fucking slap them on the head and rub their belly. You know what I mean? But oh. these things, they're the size of like cars. You know what I mean? And I've seen footage of these things like jumping out of the water when boats are going by, then they're like almost the size of the boat. And they got, they're just like, you don't want to fuck with them, dude. It's like oh, horrifying. They're like, they're worse than Ale- They're like bigger than alligators. And then they'll lay a fucking hurting on you. And it's like an elephant. It's like a fucking baby elephant coming to stomp your head out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is that actually more people are killed by hippos in Africa than any other animal because hippos are extremely territorial. Oh yeah. So if if you cross their path, it it doesn't matter uh, what you're packing or who you are. A hippo's going to, even though I mean they're herbivores, they're not going to eat you, but they're going to fucking mess you up. Although I bet they'll eat you, even if they don't like it, dude. This is the thing: when they're going to war, them bite them biting your head off is more of a tactic to defeat you than to eat you, my friend. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't want my head bitten off. But, but, no but, but they get the taste of blood and they're hungry for more. 
we don't get we don't get down with hip hop anonymous like that. You know what I mean? Uh, that's troublesome nature behavior right there. We don't get down with that at all. Um, I'd love to see a hungry, hungry hippo movie. I'd love to make it. That's a budget. You would have to go to the Amazon, the set of Anaconda, to make that film. Um, my in my hungry, hungry hippo, big budgeted film that he will square off with the gigantic Anaconda, like, <laughs> like King Kong versus Godzilla. Me and Adam Wingard, uh, closest of friends, dude. We uh, where he's trying to hook that up for me right now. He's going to produce. He's that's my boy. Yeah. But, um, but going back to monster trucks, yeah, monster um, trucks, Doogie, horrified. I would do it when, when I when I saw that. Okay, what came to mind? Okay, was a production meeting where you had like uh, producers around a table. All the windows are closed. All the doors are closed, and they're smoking a bowl. And it says the room is as filled. With with smoke as possible, and some of the like, hey man, I got an idea for a movie. How about we do a movie about monster trucks? But here's the thing: they're actually monsters who are trucks, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's, like I said, the same thing. The people have said, let's make a movie of Battleship. All these people were. You know, there uh, hallucinatory drugs have been coming into the world of fighting depression for for the last couple of years now, uh, probably even longer. So it's quite possible that some of these people were trying to deal with some of their depression with some hallucinatory things, because monster trucks is one of those weird. Um, and they figured out a way to do it. Very weird, though. It's such a very weird thing. I wonder if my nephew owns this, because uh, I would love to actually watch this, because it just looks so weird. It has, it's got Little Shop of Horrors vibe all over it, you know what I mean? Which I can appreciate. Um, and it is a kid's movie, so I almost, this is one of those weird movies that I'd like to watch to see how bad it is, because it could... If it could be, it could actually be like decent behind just a pile of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could actually watch it and enjoy it. Uh, you could find those those peanut peanuts in the shit, homie, and enjoy them. Scoop them down. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, Monster Trucks is madness. Uh, 125 million dollars it cost to make this bad, Larry, and it lost 115 milli. Woo! Uh, makes sense though. It just looks horrible. I don't know. You know what's funny is that the director of Monster Trucks didn't even come out and say that it was a shitty movie. So that's bad news on uh, the fucking what's his name, the director from the first episode. Oh yeah, about Fantastic Richie Four. Richie Ramirez, yeah. Richie Ramirez Jr. got beef uh, with that setup, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, I'm so I, I'm surprised that the the person who did monster trucks. I'm surprised they, they, they still got careers going because that that's a big old fucking hit to take. You know what I mean? And did you say you've seen it or you never seen it? I never seen monster trucks. I just saw the trailer and I was like, uh, pass. Yeah. Right. You, you, you were that quick to give up on it, huh? I, I had absolutely no interest. That's another artist's film. That guy's out there making movies for crying out loud. Chris Wedge is out there fucking doing movies. He's uh, mainly known as an actor. I'm surprised you don't appreciate that more. Voice over actor. 
A lot of uh, animated movies, so he has a good voice but a bad face. That's what that means. <laughs> but he's done. He's also he also did Ice Age, which was a big success, of course. Robots with your boy, um, Robin Robbie Williams up in that bad boy. Epic. I remember that was a big deal. Uh, Monster trucks sidelined his career a little bit. You know, it got some flat tires on those monster trucks and it had to pull over and catch a breather into the old career, you know. But uh, Chris Wedge, he was wedged up the crack of the ass <laughs> of the Hollywood system. Poor guy. Got eaten up. Um, yeah, the animated world did. You know, live, you know, live action. He was a dude that definitely came from the animated world and they said, here's, uh, here's some people to work with. You know, work with some people. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'd like to watch it. It could be good. Yeah. Looks like shit. Like, you watch the trailer and you just go, this is going to be the worst. Or hear about what it is, you're going to go, this is the worst fucking thing in the world. But it could be one of those situations where, you know, you watch it and you go, wow. There's, there's been a few times in my day where I've seen something that, on paper, by the description and cover, it looked like the absolute worst thing that was ever made, and I uh, got entertainment out of it. None of them come to mind right now, but I know that there was a couple of them. Uh, John Carter. You know what I mean? Uh, that's 263 million buckaroos, pal. And you know how much it lost? $122 million, Ken. 122 zebras. Just fucking walked out the pasture. Um, Disney wasn't afraid to take that hit. They get all the money in the world. They don't care. Um, plus, this is right after Pirates of the Caribbean and Avengers Age of Ultron and all that stuff. So it was killing it. Money money was just flowing out like water. Busted drain pipe. Uh, had a good cast, you know what I mean, of people that I'm not really familiar with, which is, I guess, I, I, don't, know what that, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, you always find a weird cast of people in Disney movies where they're not quite celebrities, but they're what, what Disney wants you to think celebrities are. You know what I mean? They're like, these are our shows. These are celebrities from our TV shows. Make them celebrities in Hollywood movies, please. Um, but it works out for them sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, you know, it's an interesting endeavor. So yeah, have you? Did you see John Carter? That looks like something you'd almost watch. Yeah, I did. I did see uh, John Carter Mars. Um, the funny thing is that uh, John Carter, uh, in reality, uh, came out. Came, bad came, dude. Huh? He's a bad dude in real life. John Carter's a piece of shit in real life. That's the sad part. I know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the story of John Carter from Mars is an old one that came out. During the uh, the uh, early days of Conan, way before um, uh, Superman, yeah, and actually one of the things in 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 John Carter from Mars that they uh, they dealt with was, you know, he could, you know, because of the different gradual um, um, gravity, yeah, from Earth to where he was, uh-huh. he could you know jump, you know, far. He couldn't fly, but he could he could jump, jump. Like the song? Actually, that idea was used in Superman in the beginning because Superman couldn't fly in the very early comics. He could. That's why the one of the uh, things was could leap t- leap tall buildings in the single bound because of the whole idea of the different gravity from like you know 
Krypton to Earth that get the ability to jump. Now, Interesting. But, but people, you know, as time went on, people said, well, it would be a lot cooler if he flew, not jump. So that's how it came to be. be but, a lot cooler if you flew, brother. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is that the movie itself wasn't bad. I mean, it was enjoyable. Um, what killed it was they did not know how to market it. The trailer the and, and, and all that was all over the place. It really didn't bring you in. Um, the reason I ended up seeing it was my dad liked the original story that it's based on. So, you know, we watched it because of that. And it was enjoyable, but I think those who put it together did not know how to market it or how to, you know, take this old story that was done way back when and how to kind of connect it with a modern audience. So that's where I think the movie really fell flat. I agree with you. I think you're 110% correct with the marketing. I think they're trying to make a movie that genuinely would be more adult-themed, more R-rated, where you can kill with the swords and shit like that. But it's a Disney movie making it, so it has to be made for kids. Yeah. I will say this. In the 80s, 90s environment in the VHS store, if you were to stumble across this movie in, 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 the, in the kids' section with the cool cover, it would be a hot movie to get. But as for modern day and going to the theater to go see it, and the new generation of kids, I don't think they care much for shit like that. Yeah. This was made by someone that used to love going to the VHS store and getting almost animated, you know, the animated uh, cartoony shit like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, it was enjoyable enough. Because um... I will say this real quick on the record, and you probably agree. Back in the day, like the kids' movies that were released when we were younger with the shit. We love them like that. Like the, the earnest movies are all geared towards kids. You know what I mean? The purple people eater, you know, there's a lot of really cool, we'll do an episode on in the future, but there's all, a lot of really cool made for kids movies of like the eighties and nineties that were uh, a lot of fun. You know, my pet monster had a movie, you know what I mean? Like a lot of really cool stuff, not to mention all the cartoons, endless cartoons, you know, uh, the Rambo, I, I, I always got to bring up the, how much I love the Rambo cartoon. The Rambo cartoon, staple of my childhood. I love it. Well, and, you I, know, that I, taken, yeah, taken the, from a really dark movie, a rated R. Well, I mean, they did that with Rambo. They did it with Robocop. They Toxic did, Avenger. The Toxic Avenger had a cartoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, uh, I I mean, you sit down, you look at like the child movies of our age, and then you look at child movies now. One of the big things is that now they talk down to the kids. Yeah. Now they they dumb it down. They're like, "Okay, kids, this is what we're going to do. This hold hands. Make sure you don't say anything wrong. Play nice." Which. You know, okay, yes, it is a good thing to, you know, teach kids not to be assholes and, 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 and little uh, shits. But, it's, yeah. but it's I mean, the thing is that you can do that without being patronizing. And when, when I watch some of these movies coming out, it just feels so patronizing and that everyone's talking down to the kids. And you might think, oh, the kids, they're not going to get it. Uh, they get it. 
they 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 can tell when you're talking down to them. Yeah, I mean it's a generational thing where maybe back in the day it felt more like they were giving life lessons and things like that. Where nowadays they're kind of preaching and pushing what they want, what they want the future to be, instead of giving giving you little life lessons that can make you create your own future. It's more now. This is what we think the future should be. So you should try and start going in the direction of what we want the future to be. Well, I think that's the difference. Well, I mean that also another thing that I I love, which I. I remember getting in this uh, 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 this uh, dis- uh, disagreement with my mother back mm-hmm. when we were watching, you know, the movies from the 80s and the 90s. She's always like, where's the parents? The parents are never there. The, I mean, you have, like, something written in where the parents are, like, they're, they're gone uh, somewhere else. I mean, you got, like... Um, uh, the, uh, the Boys Club. You got uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You got all these other movies where you have these lo- young kids that have no real adult supervision and actually taking on roles of like actual adults in in these movies. Now, yeah. Now, not saying that you know parents should just abandon their kids and let them fend for themselves, but it kind of forced. And it actually gave, I mean, our entire generation kind of a thing that, well, you're not going to have mom and dad to help you out. So you have to learn how to deal with these things on your own. And that's that's one of the big changes. I mean, now you got, you know, whether, you know, the, the parents are always there to uh, help or save the day or you have like a superhero who's going to come in and save the day. And all you have to be is like, yay, save me. Well, so. that's what they want. They want everybody to be saying, save me, instead of I can save myself. Yeah. And, and that- in the 80s and the 90s, they were like, tough shit, save your own ass. Amen, brother. And then Sinbad, the legend of Seven Seas, came into the mix. Sinbad, I love his comedy. Another, yeah, Sinbad's the man, dude. Another animated movie, which... You know, production budget of the... Oh, my goodness. Ooh, this this This, this is painful. I feel for these people, but... Uh, uh, this is the worst one yet. I, I think I, this might be it. Yeah, it's an animated film. Again, I don't know where this money goes. I, w- I almost want to watch this, though. Um, but, yeah, uh, $60 million budget, and it lost... A hundred and twenty-five million smackers. Ouch, ouch. And, and this is another perfect example of what we talked about with Titan AE, which is another one on this list that lost more than it cost to actually make. Okay. Yeah. Interesting trend. And guess what is the connection between the two of them? Do you see it? I see it. Disney? No, no. The connection is... Look at the the voice actors, Brad Pitt and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Okay? They're not voice actors. Okay? Right. They're actors. So it's the same thing as with Titan AE. They got Matt Damon. They got Bill Pullman. Great actors, but they're not voice actors. And because of that, the film didn't do that well. Because, I mean, I mean Brad Pitt might be a good actor, but, I mean, his voice doesn't command anything. I mean, it, it's another voice like Matt Damon. You have to, you know, you'll be watching it and it's like, okay. Same thing with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. 
I mean, there's nothing distinctive about their voices to command you to watch or, or really delve into uh, what was going on. And, yeah, I, and, and like I said, I, I, I have to say, if you're doing an animated film, okay, you bring in either actors with distinctive voices or actors who can do <coughs> multiple different types of voices. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, the, it, it's funny that the two films that have lost more than it actually took to make are the ones that had, you know, big star talent voicing, which aren't star voice actors. And they're animated, too, which take note yeah. of that. Um, this, this flop was so heavy on the souls of uh, DreamWorks animation that this was the end of them actually doing hand-drawn the traditional hand-drawn style of the animated films and they went into the computer generated animation era uh their next offerings were shrek 2 and the madagascar franchise which were you know the, all, both of those shrek would be bigger than madagascar i assume but i'm not, i don't know in the kids opinion i know that for that madagascar had like four movies um big for a big you know those are two big gigantors so yeah yeah, people, it's kind of like, you know, what we say about independent film and stuff like that. It's like people don't go out there and support it, it eventually disappears. And I know a lot of people that love that hand-drawn animation that, you know, like it more than the CGI. A lot of people do. And um, unfortunately, the time came when it didn't get supported. So now it's, people do it every now and then, but now it's more of a, now it's more of done like a, for, for a little extra oomph, like, a, like we were talking about how Tarantino does the road shows and, you know, they do a little something more than the film. That's when you'll see them doing something a little more than more than what you know, more than when they do stuff like that. Weird when they go to hand draw instead of doing the CGI deal. But yeah, it's uh, crazy. It is you know animated movies. I assume it, like it's generational, so it's like you know we're probably. I don't know. We might get to a time when animation movies aren't playing as well. You know what I mean? And not because of the lack of being good or anything, but you. you you know, I I said got niece and nephews, and they're always on the pads, the iPads, and they're watching their stuff on YouTube's and whatever, and the animated stuff. There's so many stuff on there that, like, why why even go? Why would they want to go to a theater to see it? It's on a bigger screen, but they have the convenient. They have that convenience of stopping, skipping, doing all that at home. Why would they want to go to a movie theater for it? And once kids are turned off to the idea of seeing animated movies in theaters, it's a wrap. Because I mean, there I know I know adults that'll go see animated movies, but those folks aren't going to keep them, that alive. You know, the, the the three people that go, they're going to you know they, they're talking about bad numbers on them now. Wait till kids stop caring about animated movies. Uh, at that point, they'll just all flood to the. They'll all just go like uh, you know, like on HBO on demand, like they got now, where all the new movies come there. But yeah. Yeah, I I could see a future where animated movies aren't even played in theaters. What's your take on that? Could be, could be. I mean, the thing is that I'm a big thing going on with uh, about that hand drawn being, you know, phased out and just doing the CGI. Um, I I have to say, I mean, what I as as I brought up with uh, Mars has moms. My biggest problem with the CGI. I mean, there are, of course, CGI films, animated films. 
that, of course, go more of a cartoon approach. My biggest problem is when they try to, you know, make it look real. I mean, like Avatar, okay? When they try, when they have the the blue uh, aliens, and and they try and make them look and feel realistic, which I'm sorry, they it just when you're trying to bridge that, it, it's called the uncanny valley, where you have something that is supposed to look alive and real in the real world, but it there's there's a disconnect. You can still feel that it's fake, right. which for me, brings me out of the movie. Now, you you put up Scooby-Doo, okay, the cartoon. I can sit down, laugh my ass off, watch it, and enjoy it because I'm like, it's a cartoon, it's animated, it's fun. You then, you know, make it into 3D animation, and, of course, it, it, it's just not quite the same because you, you're trying to especially uh, when you're trying to make like the characters look more realistic, more human, it, yeah. it, it, it just, I don't know, for me, just kind of takes me out of, out of the enjoyment of, of the film. I, I will always be a fan of 2d animation. And, uh, but I mean, of course, I mean, 2d is the thing of the past. 3d is what's coming at you at this point. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I mean, there are some good 3D movies out there, but uh, when they try to do a 3D movie and yet try to somehow bridge the gap uh, between, you know, reality and... I mean, if you want to actually make it look like, you know, real, do puppets, okay? I'm a big... I still bring puppets back there. I but that's I like sleeps with a puppet every night. Hmm? You sleep with a puppet every night. Yes, I do. She's a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful woman. Yes. Give her my regards. I wasn't giving her hard times. Um, King Arthur, she calls you when you guys are in bed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I like uh, pull that old sword. She says you had a legend of the sword, the flesh sword. She says when it comes to wielding that flesh sword, nobody does it better than her man, Alexander the Great. Yeah, we call him King King Alexander in some circles. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, yeah, that was 175 million uh, budget and a loss of 150 million. Was this the um, sequel or was this the original? I remember there was. I remember King Arthur. Was well, it the thing is? Uh, it's. I mean, King Arthur has been done a million times. This is just another re- reiteration. No, no, no. Like, around the same period of time, I remember there yeah, was a but- King Arthur movie made that was like, around when Troy, that, that the early 2000s or whatever. Yeah, you're <laughs> probably thinking of the one, uh, yeah, I, I know which one, uh, with, uh, I think Kate Beckinsale was, uh, was Guinevere or something like that. I remember it was a big deal. I own it. It was good. It was good. I thought yeah, this was like a sequel or something to that. No, no, no. It's another, another re-envisioning of, uh, because that one, that King Arthur you're thinking of, tried to be more realistic approach to what could have happened in reality. Okay, this one is dealing with dragons and magic and all of that, which is, of course, more of the supernatural, you know, legend uh, uh, toying with the idea. 
instead right. of a more realistic approach was that King Arthur was trying to do. I'm with it. Yeah, but I mean, um, I did not see this film. I mean, it stars Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. It stars Jude Law. Um, I, I remember seeing the trailer for this, and I have to admit, I was not impressed. Yeah. Um, mainly because, well, first of all, uh, not a big Jude Law fan. I mean, I can count on my hand how many uh, film roles I've actually enjoyed him in, and, and that's not many. Yeah. Um and uh Charlie Hunnam, I mean, he was he was okay in Sons of Anarchy, but to be perfectly honest, I watched it just for Ron Perlman and most of the other supporting cast. Like my boy Kim Coates, our boy. Uh, yeah. Kim Coates. Kim Coates I, I I mean the thing with Charlie oh, Hunnam, I think he played his role well enough in, in the series, but I I kind of I I just found him annoying, extremely annoying. Yeah, well, the females find him uh, a little more likable, I think. Well, of course. I mean, hot biker dude. What more does a woman want, really? I know. They want that bad boy until that boy treats them bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it goes. So, yeah, it's one of those deals. Um, we got the old, we got the, in 2020, of course, I was very interested to see the damage that was done, you know, theatrically to these films in 2020 with COVID, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, you know, we because of the, the theater shut down uh, in a good chunk of 2020 um, to see what was going on. But we'll float through a little real quick. You got under, Underwater um, made, the, made, made for, they say, 80 mil. Uh, and it lost 50 mil, 50 mil. So that's kind of a painful deal. And I, I seen underworld, I mean, underwater and it was, uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Actually. I recommend it. They um, got Doolittle under- up here. Huh? Uh, underwater. I, I don't think I, I know that one. Underwater is that movie with, um, what's her name? I don't, I regularly don't like her, but she was, uh, Kristen Stewart. Underwater, yeah, it was cool. There was a, there was a, there's a notoriously famous underwater creature that makes a cameo at the end, which is, which is uh, fun. I won't tease any more than that. But uh, I think, please tell me it's Nessie. Please tell me it's Nessie. It's Nessie, yeah. Yay, Nessie! I believe it's on Amazon Prime right now. I do say, I do recommend it. It's a good watch, even though I don't like her. Um, But even if you don't like her, you'll like it. Wink, wink. If you know what I mean. Okay. All right. Next, next up, we got Doolittle. It made the list because it Doolittle money this year. Um, and yeah, was, I forgot Doolittle came out in 2020. Yeah, it was uh, the budget 175 million dollars. Um, it estimated it. It lost an estimated 50 to 100 million. Which is quite a gap. That's quite a gap of uh, thing. We'll just go with the hundo million. They didn't really want to talk about it. You know what I mean? The rhythm section. You remember the rhythm section? I I was gonna go see that. The lady wanted to go see that. Um, production budget fifty milli. Fifty milli. Uh, guess how much it lost? How much? Forty milli. Forty milli. It only made 
uh, 10 milli, which was not enough to make the investors happy, unfortunately. Uh, well, it happens. It's one of those things, you know, COVID. Yeah. You just blame, they does blame the COVID, no problemo. Call yeah. of the Wild. Now, this is a movie I didn't think would do any good just because, you know, it's been told them numerous times. And uh, I know it's a classic tale, but just because the tale is classic doesn't mean that generation wants to hear that tale. You know what I mean? Oh, wait, oh, wait. you're talking about the, uh, the one with the CGI dog? Probably. I know it's got uh, my boy fucking, uh, what's his name in there? Uh, Harrison Ford? Han Solo. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. So um, Call the Wild's a book. I remember having to read it back in the day. Yeah. But just as, like I said, it was like, I think it's one of those old tales, like when you're at a party with your uncle or somebody and they're telling you an old story that you don't really care about. You know what I mean? I think that just because it's an old tale don't mean you want to hear it type situation. Um, budget, oh, 200 I, I, milli. Well, I mean, the thing is, I, I didn't I didn't see the movie myself, but I mean, I remember looking and uh, looking at the, uh, the uh, trailer for it. Yeah, and I have to admit, I was so uh, upset that the fact that they had a CGI dog for for I mean, now the book I I read the book I liked the book. Um, my mom had me read a lot of classical literature when I was growing up, and Into the Wild was one of the first things she had me read. Now there was a real there was a in the I, I researched there was a real dog. But Harrison Ford beat it to death for not getting its mark, not landing its mark. <laughs> so they had to do the CGI dog. Well, anyway, uh, the thing was that it's a good story. And the thing is that, honestly, Harrison Ford's character is, is a, um, uh, for the most part, uh, a, uh, a supporting character. The dog is, is the center of the story. And... And when and like I said before, when you have three D animation, I mean, I could watch it and and see that you know it was a fake dog, which takes me out of the movie. If you had a real dog in there and just do the three D animation for like the long shots, or like when you had him go through something horrendous that you don't want to put an actual animal through, you know. Then do the 3D, but I mean, like for the close-up shots and all that, without having an actual dog in there, I have no interest in it because there's no emotional connection. Because all I'm saying is, there's there's Han Solo with a fake dog. I mean, that's that's all that came to my mind when I saw the trailer. Pretty soon there'll be a CGI uh, fucking Han Solo in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Harrison Ford go be CGI'd up in there pretty soon. I hear you on that. When you're looking, you know, the dog give you the puppy eyed dogs eyes, and you go, oh, that's cute. But like, it's when you know the dog's not real, it does take a lot away from it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if you can't feel that one of the main characters is not really there, yeah. then any kind of emotional connection to it. I mean, the thing is, you can switch it when it's like all animated, because then you can put yourself into that world. And have the just uh, you know, you know, be able to get into that way. But when you have, I mean, the only difference, for example, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a perfect example, where you have live action and animated, but the animated characters are made to look animated. So 
you can then buy yourself into this world where you have, you know, real people and animated people living together. But when you have animated people who are not supposed to be animated people, but real characters in this world alongside with real uh, breathing humans, it just, I mean, it just, it just feels phony. The entire thing feels phony. It does, yeah. Call the wild, the hundred twenty-five to hundred fifty million dollar budget. Uh, it lost a hundred mil. Scary. Jeez. That's some scary shit, yo. Um, next up, we got Onward, um, animated movie. Oh yeah, that's uh, like with you know orcs and 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 like centers in like the real world animated. It's one of those that's okay to be different movies. Um, yeah, it got hurt for that. I think production budget uh, two hundred milli. I guess they lost one hundred eighty three million dollars, dude. That means the people, not everybody that worked on the movie went to go see the movie. That's what yeah. that means. That's horrifying. Well, I mean, the thing is that it's it's a story that has been done a million times, and you know it's. I mean, yeah, taking, you know, mythical creatures and putting them into more of, like, real human settings, which is cool. I mean, it's like with Bright. I mean, the movie is an allegory, an obvious over-the-head beating with, like, a lead pipe allegory of race relations, just using, you know, um, uh, mythical creatures uh, to, you know, stand in. So trying to uh, make a little... um, you know, barrier between what you're actually talking about and what you're, you're trying to convey. I, and that's why it probably didn't work because we've all heard this story before. We've, I mean, just making it that it's mythical creatures in a real setting isn't going to automatically make an old story new. Now, you got to do a little more work on that. Yeah. It's true. That is definitely true. Um, there's this movie called Artemis Fowl. Are you familiar with that? Oh, I, I heard about it. It's like based on a children's book, I think. Um, I remember seeing the trailer. I mean, I never read the book, so I couldn't really get into it. Um, yeah. But it, it, it was another one of those films that, you know, if COVID wasn't uh, happening... I mean, it probably would have done okay. It's a typical Disney young kid movie where, you know, you have this young, you know, taking, uh, you know, fighting the bad guy or or whatever he was supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, that may, it was made for 125 mil and it lost 125 mil. It broke even with losing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Next up on the list, uh, a movie one of our good pals and fellow guest, Happy Anderson, was involved in. The New Mutants. Ah. Uh, the I produ- that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, New Mutants. And I think I might have made a comment about this. Now, uh, I mean, it was an enjoyable movie. And, yep. of course, Happy Anderson was awesome in in. in Unfortunately, he was only in one scene, really, and it's a small role. But, um, 
Yeah, uh, the thing with the problem with the New Mutants was they were taking, of course, the typical superhero stories, and they were like, "Hey, let's go edgy with this. This make it more of a horror movie," and they failed drastically because you know it it still came off as just another typical superhero movie, but they were trying to pitch it as a horror movie. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, is there some, you know, kind of creepy imagery? Is there some stuff like that? Yeah, and dealing with, you know, uh, issues and and imagery and, and dealing with these troubled kids, which is cool, but it just didn't gel because... If they just pitch this as, okay, guys, this is um, young, you know, young mutants uh, with superpowers tied with a comic book. If they just did that and didn't try to pitch it as, hey, guys, this is a horror superhero movie, then, you know, because the fact is they they still try to make it PG-13, which... Now, if you want a superhero horror movie, you watch Brightburn. That's a superhero horror movie. Right. Okay. Cool. But, with it. Yeah, Brightburn for sure. Um, but but the New Mutants, it was it was enjoyable. It's fun. I recommend. You know, it's it, it's it's a fun watch. But uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna have any real chills or thrills. I find. It was a troubled road to the big screen. Originally shot in 2017. Yeah. Um, delays and rumors of reshoots was sold, you know, issues, issues, issues. But long story short is, you know, uh, $67 million. Opening weekend made $7 mil. Now, this is in August, though, so this is deep into it. Uh, I thought, you know, theaters were right around the t- times of closing around this. Time. And it altogether estimated loss of 51 mil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, you know, for us, what can you do? Um, not much can we do. Tenet, of course, you know, the Christopher Nolan film. Uh, yeah. That would have probably been a big deal in theaters, I assume. Production budget, $200 million, man. You look at, I think I read that Deadpool was made for $58 million. You know what I mean? Um, so it's like when you see, and that's a superhero movie. That was great. It had action in it, and it had all the CGI and the hoopla and all that. Um, and for that to be made for $58 million, it'd probably be one of the better. Arguably, that and Guardians of the Galaxy are some of the best comic book movies overall liked in the last, like, 10 years or so. Overall liked by, by you know, <clears throat> liked by people that don't even like comic book movies, you know. But, um, yeah, Tenet, this would have done big deal. But $20 million, that's crazy that it needs that much money. It is a big CGI movie, but still, like I said, if you're getting a Marvel movie done for $50 million, you don't need to make a CGI thriller for fucking 200 mil. Yeah. Um, opening weekend made 20.2 mil, which is good. That's good for the, you know, not as much as they wanted to. Worldwide total, they made 356.1 million. You know, that's a beautiful thing. It, it, it costed two to, uh, to make, and it eventually made. It, it got all it got its money back plus some, even though it says it lost eighty two million. But worldwide, 
unless that money, yeah, I mean, that in other countries, that money could be going back to people that aren't investors here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's but very well, possible. Maybe, uh, losing of $82 million could simply be about how yeah. much they expected to, you know, be getting, and they just didn't get it. I mean, that, I mean, the well, thing that's the is, thing, yeah, because they, that, you're right, you're actually dead on with that. You are correct because I, I have heard that where they, they estimate. I've heard Tarantino talk about that with his films, where like he, because he doesn't make, he doesn't need, he doesn't, his budgets aren't huge for the, for the caliber of filmmaker he is. His budgets are pretty small. Um, if they're ungodly to us, of course, but like you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. So, like, long story short, you know, the same thing with, like, Nolan. Like, he's a fucking huge director. So he's going to get that money. But, yeah, that's the thing. They go, okay, well, we made this how much it costs to make. And we estimate that this much is going to come back. And that's when they wait for the numbers that they're hoping for that. So in their minds, yeah, they probably do feel like. And probably at the end of the day, for everybody to get paid and be happy, they probably need to make that extra hundo mil just to be able to disperse that. Because you figure if you got, depending on how many people you got put in money, that's yeah. going to go back somewhere. And I'm sure it's more, they're not just getting them, okay, you gave us fucking 10 mil, here's your 10 mil, and that's all you get. I'm sure it's your 10 million gets you a big percentage of, of that back end. Oh, yeah. And, and um, the thing is, I understand, um, you know, when you never see that, much that you want, you know, a uh, good return on it. But I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, if if you're doing a film and you make a profit, any kind of profit, whether it's you know five mil to you know a hundred mil, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's a friggin' win. Uh, well, but you know, you're not thinking in the Hollywood. Then uh, again, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, well, Hollywood is is less yeah. about about quality and, and all about you know how much money they're making off of it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's one of those deals. Uh, you're, uh, you know, Nolan has big pull. So he's, he, you know, unless you get, from what I hear, in the, in that world, you the money that you make is what you're paid to do the gig back end is kind of a dream thing unless you've got, unless you're deep, you're an executive producer and you're deep into it. Um, that it's, it's, it's just kind of like what you get paid to do it. That's why all these bigger filmmakers and such they always get executive producer credit so they can still make money after the film comes out because there's so many with investors and other regular producers and studios and so many hands in the pie that if you're not one of those other almost business side and hands in the pie then your your creative side your creative hand ain't gonna get no pie you know what i'm saying they go pilots motherfucker go pilots but you know, it's like a pizza shop when they forget to get their shipment of dough in, they go pileless guy. But yeah, so they took a big hit on that. But tenant, some I don't really know in, in the zeitgeist of things. I don't know where Christopher Nolan is sitting nowadays in the overall opinion of an audience. I know that there was a time when he was the biggest filmmaker going. And I think after Interstellar, that kind of dwindled a little bit. So I don't really know where he is in, in the public's eye right now. And I respect him and enjoy his films. I'm just saying in the public's eye, I don't know where he is. And once the eye is off him, in the same way that, you know, us not being able to go out and do conventions and, and go to events as independent filmmakers, how that hurts us, I think it hurts these bigger people too because 
people haven't been thinking about Christopher Nolan for two years. So, it, you know, whoever Hollywood pushes at the audience next, uh, they could they could easily push the next Christopher Nolan and push Christopher Nolan out of the mix and not have to pay him, you know, that $100 million paycheck or whatever. You know, he's not making that, but you know what I mean. You know where I'm going with it. Yeah, so it's kind I- of a delicate time for even a bigger filmmaker, too, where it all depends on, if, you know, they got to have they really need to have that pull that name behind them to be able to even they're going to have, you know, certain filmmakers might in the big leagues might have a tough time coming out of COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I understand that I do, I so. but you know, I really, it, hope so. I really hope you understand that. But speaking of Nolan directors, you know, Nolan, one of the killers, the all directors of all time killing, especially right now. Great. Uh, Nolan's only a couple of years younger than us, which is uh, that's a sad and a happy thing all at once. You know what I mean? We, we give him respect. We give him respect. Uh, kudos. 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 Let's bid the world I do. Let's bid everybody a good night. A farewell. We'll show uh, We want to thank everybody for listening. If you like this show, you know, definitely check out more shows on this podcasting network that you're hearing this at. Um, I hope you're following and subscribing to it. You also check out Boombastic Media on YouTube.com where you can f- find some videos of our, our episodes. You know, some inter- all our interviews make their way up there. You know, all we have some best of episodes where you'll see some of these audios in video form. Very nice. You know, we got a Boombastic Media Facebook page as well as the Boombastic Cast Facebook page. And uh, for anybody out there looking to throw down some serious support, we have a Patreon page uh, for Boombastic Streaming, where if you pop on there, uh, we have different tiers where you could uh, enter the family. You know what I mean? Uh, it goes from podcasting all the way up to uh, the film stuff. Everything that we own can be streamed there and, you know, opportunities for the future for you. Um, as the tiers go, the perks get better. You're not saying, you're not saying. So if that tempts you, then uh, don't don't be tempted without any payoff. Go check it out. You'll you'll really enjoy yourselves there. And uh, we, of course, appreciate the support in any way, whether it being listening or financially. Of course, financially is uh, financially and listening is always the best route. That's what Alex says. But with that being said, we thank y'all for listening, and we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boom Bastic Cast. Ooh.